0: hello welcome back or welcome to the earth to Corey podcast today we are gonna go over my winter in review so as you all probably know from last season this is the episode where i talk about uh, what i've been doing over the past sort of 12 weeks because um, i, I base these on anime seasons um, now i was thinking like you know do I do a different episode this month or and like release this on the side I was like you know what I can probably fill the time you know this is an important thing um, because I like to be validated for uh, what I like and I assume if people listen they're validating what I like and uh, if you also like the same things I like then you're being validated too um, and maybe, maybe if you learn about something, you might, like, go, uh, go watch it or listen to it or, you know, do the thing. Um, so generally, as per usual, I have my random categories, um, probably Will Tangent, but uh, let's get into it. So our first category is uh, sports and athletics. Um, so this Christmas and my birthday was, like, good for me when it comes to winter sports. Um so I got a pair of snowshoes. Um which I love doing now. Um it's kind of like my first time real snowshoeing. And I don't have snowshoes that I can like run really well in. But apparently there's snowshoe racing and it sounds wild and it sounds like something I'd be totally down to do. But um anyways I got snowshoes and loved taking them out. Uh to like little red and you know going on the trails there's a big just kind of random field near my house that's like full of snow so I'd take them out there and it's just like fun because like when you have snowshoes you only like sink into the snow a little bit so like no matter how much fresh powder there is you can like walk um without like absolutely dying and you know being up to your your waist in snow so I really enjoyed that and it just got me out in nature and like you know you're only kind of going walking speed so it's pretty pretty easy to uh you know catch the birds catch the sun take the nice pictures um and it opened up a bunch of like new routes to me at Little Red so I if you follow you know my snapchat um or I don't think I post pictures of Little Red on Instagram but yeah if you you know you're you're following that you'll realize I'm almost at Little Red like every weekend or every second weekend for sure going for a walk. Um so snowshoes that really opened up where I could go and it just was an enjoyable time in nature. So super happy about that. Um all around. Good times, positive vibes. And we had a relatively decent like weather for a little bit like during the winter. Um it just kept on getting like warm for maybe like a week or so. And then, like, super, super cold. Well, first of all, directly after Christmas, is like, super, super cold. And then it sort of switched from, like, kind of warm to, like, super cold. Um, so during those kind of warm spells, it was awesome um, when I was snowshoeing. The other thing, um, the other expensive, I guess, little, uh, little things I got were some cross-country skis. Um, So lots of my friends, lots of the people I go to the track to were like, hey, do you go skiing? And I was like, no. Like, you should really get skis, like cross country. You would really like it. Um, And I got some money for that for my birthday. And then like, you know, just bought bought a pair of skis. So if you don't know, cross country skiing is um, different than downhill. And then like downhill, you kind of have, I want to say like shorter skis. <clears throat> and you don't, like, you just kind of go down the hill. Um, obviously, there's a lot more than that. But cross-country skiing, you uh, you go out, and you just, like, it's often very flat ground, very... I, I personally try to avoid all the hills because I fall down all the time. Um, and, you know, going up hills sucks. Um, but yeah, uh, Little Red has a bunch of, like, groomed cross-country skis. So as well, if you don't know, um, there's two types of cross-country skiing. There's classic, which uh, they room the trails by putting straight lines in them that are just about the the width of a ski. Sorry. And you just like follow that little path. Um, And it's quite nice. And you have your uh, like poles and you put the poles in the ground and you kind of move almost like walking, but not really like walking. Um, And then there's also skate skiing, which is a lot more like skating, um, which I cannot do because I'm still a noob. I'm still bad. But uh, no, I really enjoyed it. Went out to tons of times after work. I just like, you know, get home and then uh, like grab the skis, head out to Little Red. And like same on the weekends in my afternoons, like uh, get up, like hit the gym or go running or something like that and then spend the afternoon like cross-country skiing and that was super fun speaking of running um winter running season was upon us let's say um so yeah like lots of lots of runs in the dark in the cold um I, I still had my track membership so I did run in the track like quite a bit over the winter but like I was trying, if it was like below minus, or above minus 25, I was trying to get out there. So I'm finding like winter running, like you can't go fast. Yeah, I mean, if you're running in any snow, like it just kind of, it's like running in mud, right? You, you sink a little bit, it's just harder movement. Um, There's often ice, so you have to be very careful with your feet. Um, so it ended up being a lot of like really good zone two. Like I couldn't go that fast. It was very chill, um, very easy running. And you know it is big like, oh, whatever, on the pace because I'm in snow. It is is a lot like trail running in that sense like I'm um, on trails. like there's no guarantee I'm able to just like drop four minute ks or whatever, stuff like that just because it, there's too much, uh, you know, you might be jumping over a snowbank um stuff like that you might be hitting some ice you might be like running in the middle of the road because um, where the car tires go that's generally like the best ground um you know winter running thank you to all the people who regularly shovel their walks that's super cool um big fan of that i i'm finding though like with it um i like need more gear So, like, I have, like, one jacket that's really good for, like, cold winter running. And I have a couple pairs of thermals, but I only have, like, one toque I wear for, like, winter running and, like, one pair of gloves. So, like, and one pair of socks um, that I usually use and, like, one pair of pants, I guess, that I regularly wear. So, that stuff gets really sweaty. So, for next season, I'm definitely going to, uh, that's kind of weird that I went through all that. Anyways um for next season i'm definitely going to invest in more kit um just so i can like you know not uh not a smelly gross kit all the time and not have to worry about like hanging it all the time to dry it can just go into the into laundry um I, i guess i'm going through this in case you want to get winter running buy buy lots of kit um luckily though All My Winter Running Kit also works for cross-country skiing, so that's nice because cross-country skiing, you get a little bit of that heart rate, um, so you get a little bit warmer, so you need more like sporty stuff. Interesting enough though, like cross-country skiing, um, I didn't time myself really a ton on the Garmin, which it does have a cross-country skiing app, um, mostly because like no one actually came out and taught me how to do it. Haley friend of the podcast was supposed to, um, and then we just like never got around to it, which is too bad, but uh, next season, I'll get I'll get actually someone to, to tell me what to do, um, but I realized like, I'm like skiing, and I'm like, man, I only went 5k, and it took like, I don't know, like 40 minutes, and it's like, I could literally run this in half the time, um, but it wouldn't have been so pretty, I guess, and it wouldn't have been so nature so... You know, advantage there, Uh, advantage is cross-country skiing there. Um, Now that most of the snow has melted and, uh, you know, it's like nicer out, knock on wood, like today's like plus 16, uh, so big happy about that. Spring PBs coming in hot. Um, So all the running routes I like ran over winter, like just smashed all of those like root based records. Of course, because now I'm just like not competing with the snow. Um, because I ended up doing so much like zone two, I have a pretty strong like cardio base um, or aerobic base, which is nice. So so like I took my 10k PB down to, to 40 minutes and 10 seconds, which is like super close to the sub 40, which I really want. My half marathon PB went down to like one hour, 33 minutes, which is super close to, uh, you know. Sub hour thirty um, which like in theory, if I ever want to achieve that uh, sub three marathon, I'm gonna have to bang out two sub one thirty half marathons. you know that's how it works. Um, yeah, so it's it's good it's good to like you know break some PBs in spring uh, now that the running's easier it, it it shows like okay, I'm fitter than last season. I'm fitter than where I was uh so like the winter training was actually useful you know I'm not starting from square zero I'm not like sort of rebuilding if that makes sense I'm like actually you know ready to go so big fan of that um yeah what else um oh I signed up for a triathlon this summer um I don't think I've talked about that on the pod yet no so yeah um it's not like it's weird distances for a triathlon, um, but I'm quite excited for it. It's a Frank Dunn up at Waska Sioux. Um, really, really doxing myself here, uh, but yeah, it's it's a 1.5 kilometer swim, like 62k on the bike, and like 13k run. Um, so really, I'm just hoping to complete it. Uh, not not huge like goals that wise that ways. But no, I'm I'm quite excited. Uh, which also means I'm getting back into the pool now that the weather's turning. Um, I just got my bike, like, you know, ready to go. Um, so I'm hoping to be back on the bike quite a bit. And, uh, once, like, the outdoor pool's open, I'll be there a lot more because the timing's just work better for me. And I'll also have to get some, like, actual in-lake pool time, which is exciting and also scary. Uh, but should be fun. Um yeah like hopefully hopefully summer goes good hopefully I don't get injured uh you know knock on wood I'm also starting to um, coach track and field at school so that's starting up uh like next week so really excited about that it's also like every day after work I get to coach so um you know might, might be excited the first week I'm sure my enthusiasm will wane but uh I get to teach kids running so I'm excited about that um we have like a little cement track at the at, in our schoolyard that's always like covered in glass um, but you know I'll, I'll get the kids out there get them running hope hopefully they do well hopefully they they love the sports. Um, personally I'm not a big fan of sprinting but uh, I'm, I'm sure kids are. Um, judging judging from coaching them cross-country in all honesty where all they did was like sprint You know and then like walk until they caught their breath, and then sprint again maybe we could have quite a strong team (laughs) because clearly they don't understand jogging so uh, I'll just just have to get them over that like 60 meter line and then run all these kids 60 meters but uh, well we'll see how that goes Um, but I am really excited to like share the sport Um, I guess in terms of other sports that I'm doing so I did that episode on like group fitness a while ago um and I've been like regularly going to yoga I really enjoy it uh I don't know if I'm like feeling more flexible or not um I I don't know if I could like it's a really good stretch Uh, my legs always feel really good after it and I always feel like really calm and chilled after it so all around I'm seeing a lot of benefits there uh so enjoying that plus there's like a decent enough community uh, making friends there so that's cool um i also went to a, a weights class just randomly once um it was like a body sculpt or something like that and really interesting it was a lot of like low weights but like lots of reps so i think um like each, each muscle group was like five minutes and you would just like sort of do exercises and and you'd really just like switch um so like five minutes would be shoulders and you would switch from your like front of your shoulder to maybe like the back of the shoulder for your like rest and then just keep on hitting them. Um but I, I tried to take that like low lower weight lots of reps um into my own weightlifting when I get weightlifting and I'm really enjoying it. Um often often when I'm weightlifting sure like previously as as hitting like pretty big weights um but I never get that like soreness. It'd always be like, am I actually pushing myself? Am I actually getting anything out of this? Like, what's uh, you know, sort of sort of a no pain, no gain situation. Um, but after that class, I was like, man, I am absolutely destroyed. Like, I I cannot raise my arms, stuff like that. So I've I've been bringing that like, sort of lower lower weight, more reps um, into my own weightlifting and lots of like pauses or like really really slow reps. Um, so it's, it's been fun. Um, I don't know if I'm stronger or not. Um, I, I don't know. I, I look reasonably muscular. Uh, but that's also my own own opinion. Um, and honestly, the the compliment I get the most is like walking to the gym, people are like, you look like a runner. And I'm like, yep. Um, so I, I take it. I take it. Uh, but anyways, I think that's all I have for our sports section sports athletic section of this podcast uh you know getting a summer now it's going to be lots of running lots of biking hopefully a reasonable amount of swimming um so we're going to move on to our next topic um so in gaming you know been i i I only have three games uh that i'll only talk about but uh no I've, i've been playing not that much video games i want to say um i also haven't like looked at the time i put into them so maybe i'm wrong um but uh yeah let's let's get into the games i've been playing uh this past winter so the first one i want to share is like probably my favorite types of games are co-op um of course couch co-op is my my favorite form uh but my friends and stuff are all over the country all over the world dare i say um so sometimes you got to bring that online and uh, so we've been playing lots of deep rock galactic so deep rock galactic um you are dwarves uh in space and you're miners Uh, and you work for a company that uh really like is a very capitalist uh you know dream in that uh you, you are given very much a shoestring in what you need to do the job and you got to do that. So um, how it works is you you and your team, you like pick a mission, whatever. There's a pub that you can hang out at and you can have pints, which some of them give you bonuses. Um, some of them just like make you drunk and then you like go on the the mission and your everything's all like wavy, um, which is fun. But uh, you you pick a mission. There's a variety of different mission types. You you go down onto a planet in caves, uh, which are actually all randomly generated, and then you mine stuff. Um, The game's really set. uh, Also, there's some like spider insect enemies that try and kill you all the time, um, which is fun. So you have something to do um, that way. Besides besides mining, Um, the game really makes you feel like. You know, you're working for a company that's, like, terrible. Um, and, and I find constantly when I'm playing the game, like, you know, you know, just, like, reliving. Where you have a job you hate and you're like, ah, whatever, I'll just do this. Or, like, just going to rep it out? Like, you get that feeling some of the times. Um, I remember when I first started playing the game and I'd, like, see a super hard enemy. I'd be, like, so terrified. And then once I got, like, a little bit better, a little bit used to it, I'd see a super hard enemy and I'd be, like... Yeah, whatever, like, I'm just gonna take them out. Like, tell, tell me if there's something going on that's important. Um, there's, um, there's four classes. Um, and generally you wanna have a person as a different class, um, each class in your team. And uh, they're all like reasonably fun to play. I mostly play like two different classes, well, really just one different class. But I'm trying to branch out. Um, and they all have different m- weapons and like movement abilities. Uh, which is really fun. Um, so like, if you have people of every class, they they work really well together synergistically. Um, they have different abilities that like allow you to have a have a better like or able able to use go through the the entirety of the environment a lot easier, uh, which is very cool. So big fan of that. Um, yeah and, and that's just on steam um it's also on ps4 xbox and game pass and there's like i think cross-plat between xbox and game pass um but uh, sadly no other cross-platform play which is too bad um the game is actually also surprisingly deep like after you play it for literal hours like more more time than you you really need to in all honesty um you get the ability like a bunch of new abilities and stuff like that um that are really subtle but can really like kind of change the game in, in really positive ways so that's super fun um yeah outside of that i've been uh co-op wise scott and i have been uh trying to get through borderlands one um which is kind of fun um, i've never played borderlands at all so it's it's a good time scott's like a professional um so he he knows what's going on, but uh, I I definitely do not. And I'm basically, like a toddler, that Scott is walking through the game and carrying the team. Ah, uh, so you know, friend friend of the pod, Scott. Uh, who's an all star at Destiny, and now also I guess an all star at um at Borderlands. The next game I want to talk about is uh, Pokemon Legends of Arceus. I don't remember its exact exact release date. And also, I was very, like, um, I guess, tepiditious. Um, you know, I, I was not sure if I was going to buy it. This is definitely a game I waited for, um, you know, reviews. Um, that being said, I, overall, I think, see it positively. Um, I'm, I've, maybe I'm a mix. Like, Pokemon Legends of Arceus, well, um, we'll start with the positives. So... Pokemon games um, really haven't advanced since Red and Blue, which are like twenty some years old. Uh, those are the first Pokemon games. Uh, for all you do not know, and it's a lot of just like old game design. So lots of stuff in the menus, lots of uh, you know things that like a normal game wouldn't ask you to click through. Lots of just like repetitive cutscenes, uh, lots of very slow things. The um, for example, even even in like the newer games, you get into a battle and then there's a little load screen. You and your opponent send out your Pokemon. You know, there's a little bit of dialogue that you have to click through. You know, you hit your first move. Uh, then you like watch a rather generally kind of sit a couple of second cutscene of the move playing, and then you go back and forth like that. Um it's just like really long Especially when the whole game is based around getting into battle so you can either catch um, or like beat Pokemon um, similar like you know if, if you a Pokemon in, in regular Pokemon games if Pokemon learns a new move they can either learn it right then deleting one of their previous moves or they cannot and you have to go through like a sort of rig them around to uh, to like get them to relearn this move Um, And and some moves are situational, you know, sometimes um, you want to switch up the way your Pokemon is is doing things. Um, So maybe you build a Pokemon that's like a stall build, meaning it sets up defense and then chips away the enemy's HP. Uh, But you might want to switch that up or you realize like a move's not working now that you've like put this into practice. Um, So you can now like in, in Legends of Arceus, you can switch through any of the move pools or any of the moves that your Pokemon has learned. Um, they can only have four at a time that they can use in battle, uh, but you can access all of them and switch moves, stuff like that. There's also another um, little little tweak in the battle thing where you can either use the move in, a, it's like agile or I think like aggressive or something like that, or like power, whatever. Um, so if you use the move in agile, it will do less damage, but you'll get two turns off. Um, before your enemy can get a turn off. And if you use it in like power or whatever, um, then you get one turn off. It's a, it's a lot stronger of a move, um, but often it, it, uh, your enemy might get in two moves. And when you do either agile or power stance, um, use up more PP, which are the points that you use to uh, like use your different Pokemon moves. Um, so that that's a little tweak that I kind of like um, in the battling, but the best thing is that like you don't have to enter battles anymore. So all the Pokemon are just like on the the world. Like you can run into them, um, and they'll they'll straight out attack you, and you have to like dodge roll them. Like they they will try and kill you, um, and if you want, you can throw a Pokemon like one of your Pokemon out and battle it. Um, and then the, the fight starts, and, and during the fight, um, you can still use essentially all the, like, overworld controls, so you can throw a Pokeball when it's your turn without entering a menu, you can use items without entering a menu, you can switch your Pokemon without entering a menu, the only sort of menuing you have to do is, like, select an attack. Now, probably the coolest feature, though, during the battle, you can just walk around, and, like, moves will hit you if you get in the way. But you can also just like straight out walk away unless it's like a story trainer battle. And the, the only time you have trainer battles is during the story. So if a, you're in a fight with a wild Pokemon and it's like not going good, you can just literally run. It's not like, oh, I'm going to try and escape. No, literally you just go. Um, It's not like you click run and then it says, oh, can't escape. It's like, no, you just get out of there. Um, And and the Pokemon battle doesn't actually start until you send out your Pokemon. So it's really your call, which is kind of cool. Though some Pokemon are like always aggressive. So in the, the very like opening area, there's some aggressive, like super weak Pokemon. And often even at higher levels, you end up there. So it's like a level like three Pokemon is attacking you and you have like literally the God of Pokemon that's like level 80. And it's like, okay, this is kind of a waste of my time, you know, to even even send out, send someone out. Um, but yeah, the being able to run away from battles, big cool. Also the no load screen between battles, big cool. Um, oh yeah, I'm talking about pauses. So it's very similar to Pokemon Go. Like the Pokemon franchise, um, in my opinion, has really tried to get away from battling um, and onto more of the catching. And you see that in the anime now. Um, You see that in like Pokemon Go. You see that in like Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. Um, The the idea is you catch a lot of Pokemon and then you can either like turn them into points or whatever. um, Stuff like that. And this game um, retains that like idea you're doing more catching than battling. So very rarely, even at the higher levels, if you have higher level Pokeballs, Will you actually need to battle a Pokemon to catch it? Like, and there's some like super hard Pokemon, um, which I'll get into. But um, those are the only ones you really need to need to battle. But if you can sneak up on Pokemon and you can use certain items to like, you know, make them a little chilled out, you can generally just throw a Pokeball and like catch them off the bat. So you end up just like catching tons of Pokemon, and that's what progression is essentially tied to. There is a story mode. Uh, which we'll talk about, but your progression um, in like being able to like, carry stronger Pokemon or use like better items is all tied to how much Pokemon you catch, uh, which gets turned into points and stuff like that, um, which gives you sort of like what they call a research level. The idea that you are um, in the game, you do play a researcher, not a Pokemon trainer. I think is really cool. There's a professor that you work for, and your jobs like make the Pokédex. Uh, The very first Pokedex, I guess, Um, which I didn't talk about the plot um, yet or the setting, but uh, whatever. Um, Yeah, so like, and and to do this, you don't just need to catch one Pokemon. So you can, like, there's always an option to catch like 16 of a certain Pokemon to like fill out the Pokedex option. Um, But lots of times it's like, okay, catch a Pokemon and then see it use this many moves or see it use this move this many times, stuff like that. Um, Catch a Pokemon doing this behavior. Not that they're super emotive, the Pokemon. Um, But not only to like fill out your Pokedex, do you just need to catch one? Uh, You need to either use it or interact with the Pokemon in in the limited scope of the game, which I think is really cool. Because like, it's a little weird thinking like, oh, yeah, I've caught this thing. Now I know everything about it. Um, So, I find that cool, and and I feel cooler being like a Pokemon biologist or a Pokemon ecologist even uh, than a dogfighter, which you, you essentially are in, in mainline Pokemon games. Um, dog fighters with like cool dragons and stuff. Um, the movement options in the game are different, so traditionally in Pokemon you have a bike Um, Which Well, you have your running shoes, which allow you to move faster. Then you have a bike, which allows you to move faster and access difficult um, terrain. Um, And then you have something called HMs, which allow you to surf on water um, or climb mountains at certain places or break certain boulders. Um, And that has been completely revamped. So now there's these Pokemon that are like special and you can call them and it's like near instant. So one goes really fast, Um, one Pokemon allows you to like find items. There's a Pokemon that just allows you to like free climb up walls. Um, There's a Pokemon you get that allows you to fly around. And then there's a fish Pokemon that you can like ride on. And you can switch these Pokemon at any time. Um, And you can activate them like without entering a menu, which is pretty big for a Pokemon game, not going to lie. So it's super fun and you can sort of switch the one on the fly. So if you're flying and you hit hit a wall, because for some reason you can't like fly up, which is kind of strange, um, you can instantly turn into the Pokemon that allows you to climb climb the wall, uh, which I think is kind of cool. Um, and some of the new Pokemon, um, I believe they're Huicin, however you say what they're calling Sinnoh in that game, um, designs are also pretty cool, I think. Um, another thing is, Pokemon have different sizes now, which is wild. So normally in a Pokedex entry, it'll be like this Pokemon's like this weight, this size. Um, but you don't see that seeing their Sprite in, in the games ever, um, but now you do. So some Pokemon are just like bigger, some are smaller. Um, it's just a scaling on the Sprite. Like it's not like some Pokemon look like babies. Like all Bydos look like Bydos. Um, all Pikachus generally look like Pikachus. Um, just some are smaller, some are larger, and there's also these Pokemon called Alpha Pokemon, uh, which all have like red eyes. They're always giant, and they're generally a higher level. Um, so they're sort of like challenges, and some of them are like in areas that like are early game, and you're gonna need to like get stronger Pokemon, come back, and try and catch them. Uh, but they're sort of like mini bosses, which are super cool because once you catch them, you can use them. So uh, I. In most Pokemon games, I'm like, okay, I have my party. I'm like sticking with it. I raise them from just being little Pokemon, uh, but now I'm like, I caught an Alpha Pokemon. You know, it's like you're pretty cool, but now I have like a seven foot tall Steelix. Um, so sorry, seven foot tall Steelix is coming around, um, which is I think really really cool. Just like some Pokemon are, they at least stronger and stuff like that. Um, so good good design there. Um, it, it makes it fun and and I just feel cool having all these like alpha Pokemon with me. Um, I, maybe that talks to my ego, I don't know, but uh, get a drink of water there. But yeah, overall, games like fun to move around in, and like it's fun to catch Pokemon cause you can literally just run, throw a Pokeball. You don't have to wait for anything. Like you can throw a Pokeball and then just like run away. And like, if you don't really care that much about the Pokemon, um, it doesn't, it either, you either catch it or it pops out. And generally, if they pop out, they'll go to like a defensive stance, meaning you'd have to battle them to catch them or like use an item. But uh, you're basically just running around throwing Pokeballs all the time and you catch stuff and it's super fun. Um, So I find that rewarding. Uh, In terms of narrative, um, it's pokemon it's a pokemon narrative except for instead of uh you know battling the gym badges it's it's a real like cringy like we're all gonna do our best um there's essentially three factions in the game so you're part of a faction called the galaxy team which is who you work for well you fell from the sky it's also an isekai um you came from the future um the game takes place in like the far past before people really knew anything about pokemon um, you have a cell phone for some reason and like you just join up with this crew. They find you, um, and they, they seem to hate you cause you fell from the sky. And, uh, there's these giant or like sacred Pokemon across the region that are, are being angered by lightning bolts out of the hole you fell out of. So you go, you go around and like calm them down, um, and catch Pokemon stuff like that. There's a faction that, uh, thinks Palkia. One of the legendaries in uh, Gen 4 is like the true god, and the other one thinks Dial- Dialega is the true god. Um, and they there's it, always like, oh, we're getting along so good right now, but we normally fight. Um, but you don't really see that gameplay-wise. You mostly just see, see like Team Galactic kind of be not cool throughout the game. Um, but yeah, of course, everyone you win everyone's trust and praise or whatever like that and they all love you in the end of the game um so story story could use some work um lots of the side quests are kind of cool and like you generally catch pokemon for people and then the pokemon sticks around with them which is kind of cool to see uh so i'm a fan of that um just a side quests in general in that game i think they're overall decent um the other big negative is like The world just looks like it could be better like uh pokemon is really going for a pokemon breath of the wild here uh, but breath of the wild looks good um like the the region or hyrule actually looks pretty decent um it's of course still a switch game it's not going to be like perfect perfect but uh you know a lot of the textures just don't look good um the world really seems sparse so there's not a lot of trees not a lot of grass um the Pokemon will like pop in, especially if you're like flying and stuff like that. Um, instead of them like, you know, spawning before they're in your view, you know, they'll be in your view and then you can just see them like spawn, which is called pop in. Um, yeah, so kind of empty world like outside of the Pokemon. I think they could have did more to make the Pokemon look slightly different from one another. Um, outside of the size thing, I, I know I'm happy about the size thing, but like I think they could have did more. Um, also, the game just sort of feels like a tech demo. Like, the gameplay loop is engaging and stuff like that. Um, but it feels like they could do more, if that makes sense. Like, it it seems like okay, okay, this is great, but like, you know what what else? You know, when's when's next? Um, and, and that comes across with, like, the plot and everything. Like, it just feels unfinished in, uh, in the most, like, teachery of terms, um, I guess. Um, like, I would recommend buying it used, um, or if you see it, like, heavily discounted, which you won't because it's a Pokemon game. But, like, worth it to play, I think. I think it's if you've been playing Pokemon for the past 20-some years, like, pick it up and play it. Um, but if you're like not a big fan of Pokemon um, then yeah wait wait till it's used. The final game I'm going to talk about is uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. So Kirby's back in Kirby's first fully 3D adventure meaning you can move everywhere Um, and it's it's a good time all around. This game's really fun Um, it's really cute it's easy Um, all the reviews are like this game's just really easy, and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a Kirby game. You know, that's that's what it says on the tin. Um, Kirby's adorable. Like, it's just fun to interact in the game. Um, Kirby, of course, sucks things up, which is really cool. Um, there's not a ton of abilities. I think there's, like, 16, but you get to level them up through, throughout the game. So, like, you get a sword, um, then you get a bigger sword, then you get, like, a cooler sword that shoots lasers, stuff like that, or like Kirby gets like a gun, which is messed up, um, and then you get like two guns, and then you get like a space gun, which is hype, um, you know, stuff like that, uh, the setting of the game is like post-apocalyptic Earth, which is really wild, um, and as, as in true Kirby game fashion, you like fight God at the end, um, which turns into like an eldritch horror, um or like a vor monster as i think i texted read about um but in reality kirby himself is a vor monster and kirby is all all uh encompassing and will destroy um so yeah you play as this cute pink puffball and cause like undue terror to the land but it's super cute and super fun um i really enjoy it It's, it's like a kirby game is like a very chill game like they're they're never supposed to be hard um i don't think i've ever failed like really anything in the game or lost anything um each level has a little like a couple different targets to ex- or like little extra things you can do uh which give you sort of bonuses and in, in your completion um which is is really fun so like you might notice somebody like oh go explore that um and i'm finding that i really like very few of these are tied to unique abilities so like some are of course where, where you need to have like you need to have sucked up this enemy to do it. Uh, but those are few and far between. So often you can get them on the first playthrough of the level. Uh, but then also they're not so bad to go back and um, and do them. It's really interesting. Lots of the enemies in the game are just like really cute. And, and I was like feeling bad just like laying waste to them. And then I realized like some of the enemies that are just doing cute things. Like there's some like little fox enemies and you're in a mall and they're just like on a date there's like food items on the table they're like sitting there or they're having lunch with their friends and i like legitimately felt bad killing them and then i realized you don't have to so i really appreciate uh you know the kirby team for putting all this like cute stuff in the game but like allowing you to let it slide um to not destroy um the other cool thing in this game besides being fully 3d is that like Kirby now has what I think it's called like mouthful mode or something like that? So like Kirby can suck up a car and become a car, um, and different things like that. You become like a Coca Cola machine and like shoot pop cans, which is wild. Um, and those are often a lot more situational and like only for certain points of the level. Um, but I think they're cool. They're a fun new like sort of gameplay gimmick. Um, there's one where like Kirby just like sucks up a bunch of water and like grows uh becomes like really giant and like kind of gross and like i don't know like moving like a giant water balloon if that makes sense like a water balloon that's overfilled um you can like spit water things which is really fun um but overall like cute and chill game um definitely would recommend there's also a multiplayer mode and the multiplayer like player two isn't able to like get abilities or anything um but i would think like it's it's a good like game if you're gonna play with a child or like a non-gamer like they'd be pretty fine or you could even like if assuming you're like the the gamer of the pair like play as player two and let the other player play as kirby and they might really enjoy it um another interesting thing i noticed like there's a block and like a dodge just like smash bros sort of i didn't realize that till like i was almost at the end of the game and then i think i was reading review for it um, it's like weirdly mechanically deep game, especially for a Kirby game. Um, but I think that's all I want to say about video games for now. Uh, so, so, you know, we're going to keep on with the nerdy stuff though. Uh, we're going to the TV slash anime slash YouTube section. Um, so let's keep this ball rolling. So when it comes to live action TV. Um, haven't really watched a ton. Uh, the shows I want to highlight are Book of Boba, Star Trek Discovery, and then Picard. So we'll we'll start with, we'll start with the Star Wars here. So um, overall, I think this series, uh, Book of Boba, um, on Disney Plus, like tripped over itself. Like I don't think it knew what it wanted to be. Um, so it had some like super cool stuff, and then it just kind of ignored lots of the super cool stuff um i i guess my my like full uh if, if someone asked me like should i watch this i'm like there's two really good episodes of the mandalorian in it um otherwise it's kind of like eh. um so just a plot quickly like it starts um so bubble's in the mandalorian section but it it um uh, the story is sort of uh i plays at two different times so they're like past um, is right when he crawls out of the Sarlacc pit, um, so just after sort of episode six, I guess, and um, he has all his armor stolen, whatever, and he ends up getting captured by Tuscan raiders. And we have this like really nice story of him like earning the respect of the Tuscan raider tribe, making them able to uh, fight against the people who are bothering them. Um, and then we have a, like, I guess, current, um, segment where Balba is the head of the Moss Eisley crime family, um, or Moss Espa, I guess, crime family. He took over Jabba's job, um, and he's trying to run things. So in the, in the past section with the Tuscan Raiders, like, it's a really good narrative. Like, it, it really, uh, the actor, Tamara Morrison... Um, who plays Baba is uh, he's from New Zealand and he, he's a, um, part of one of their indigenous tribes and they really like paid a lot of uh, notion to that and they, they really made like Tuscan Raider Ra- Tuscan Raider culture like mirror his tribe so lots of things he was doing uh, were very like natural and it really didn't have a like white savior white savior vibe. Um, even though we essentially had a story where, like, um, you know, man, man from civilization comes and like saves, in heavy quotation marks, the uh, the indigenous people of you know the desert, the dune sea, the Tuscan Raiders. But uh, I know I thought it was done really well because it was done with the the actor's own culture, um, and and we got a lot of like knowledge about the Tuscan Raiders. Um, we got to see some, like, cool stuff they were doing. And, and we, like, you know, had, um, a really nice, like, train chase episode. That was pretty cool. Um, but then, like, uh, I guess, spoiler alert, they, they all just get murdered, and they're never really brought up again. Um, like, brought up once in the last episode, and, and there's really, like, no, um, um, following after that it's like okay um yeah we're we're following these guys for quite a while and then they get murdered and then it's just like a button that gets pressed every once in a while um on to like the future plot so balba um apparently used to be like quite kick kick ass um like in in episode five when we meet him like vader tells him like no disintegrations like he, he clearly has a, uh, like, reputation to him. And then, like, in episode six, he just gets dummy dried off the bat. Like, so I don't really know why the fan base thinks he, he's some super cool warrior outside of, like, Vader respecting him. Um, I guess he was, like, kind of cool in Clone Wars. Um, but that obviously came after episode four, five, and six. But, of course, like, those uh, that series came out, like, well after the... Even the, the uh, prequel trilogy came out, so basically he's he's the head of a crime boss, but he, he like tries to run it like he's not a crime boss. He's like I want to rule by respect or whatever, um, and he just kind of walks around getting like all the other characters just kind of treat him badly, um, and then he ends up starting a fight with um, some the the pikes which are like running drugs through Moss Espa. Um, and, he, and he gets a crew together. Well, more or less, he he gets Mando to join him from the Mandalorian. Um, and then they, like, fight it out. And that, that's kind of a cool fight. Like, he, he kind of makes some friends throughout the series. Um, there's some, like, British Power Ranger-looking kids who ride, like, really bright motorcycles that just, like, stand out, um, which is kind of strange. But... Yeah, outside of the Mandalorian stuff and and even like the last fight, um, like Cad Bane shows up, which is really cool to see him in live action, but uh, is is really wasted. Like they, he maybe has five or so minutes, well less less than five minutes of screen time interaction with Boba in the show, and they uh, they they talk it up like they have this huge history, um, which they actually don't in canon. The, the only history they really have together is a, is an episode of Clone Wars that didn't air. So, yeah, they, they really talk off the, like, oh, this is, like, the fight of a lifetime. Um, but in, unless you know about this, like, non aired Clone Wars episode, you don't know. And, um, like, they, they have a little shootout, a little Western shootout. And then it's like, oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Um, but as I said, the episodes with the Mandalorian, where he's the focus, super good. Um, we get Baby Yoda back, and uh, we get, like, fake Luke Skywalker, which is kind of strange. Sorry, I have the yawns here. Um, Ahsoka shows up, which is pretty cool. Um, but all, all around, like, the Mandalorian stuff, good. The Book of Alba stuff, like, why, like... The series didn't really justify its existence, in in my opinion. It was um, a a lot of really good ideas and then just really poor execution, if that makes sense. Um, Speaking of me being, like, disappointed in Telly, on to Star Trek Discovery. Not disappointed in Tilly, the character from Star Trek Discovery, um, but disappointed in, in, like, the series. So, Star Trek Discovery... As per usual, they have to have a big universe-ending plot every season for some reason. Um, this time, there's this huge sort of like black hole type thing that's just like eating planets um, while eating like entire uh, galaxies, more or less. And uh, Discovery Discovery goes to stop it. So, um, on, on the way, there's some like neat things. Um one of the main characters books planets gets well his planet gets destroyed which is kind of bad i guess but uh they end up solving the things um and then they they go to like they figure out it is some alien species that's doing this and they're like okay we need to make contact and they all agree to make contact peacefully because they're like oh maybe the aliens don't know what they're doing um and then book and another dude decide to be like no while they're doing that. We're gonna try and set them up the bomb, and then the rest of the season is is really like they forget about the aliens for a couple episodes, and they're like chase around book. Um, they eventually get to the aliens, and there's like this super cool episode where they're trying to like well a couple episodes actually, where they're tr- the a plot ish is like they're trying to figure out their language, which involves um sort of like, I guess fer- pheromones or um like put it put in the air and then involves like flashing lights uh so they're trying to figure out how to communicate with these people or these aliens whatever um well the other crew is trying to set them up the bomb so the the whole like plot of them trying to like communicate with these aliens i was like on the edge of my seat i loved that stuff it was super cool it was all like star trek diplomacy and like oh no like the at the end of the day the aliens are like oh we didn't really recognize you guys were sentient life over there. Like, uh, they just didn't understand life couldn't be like them. And I really appreciated, like, they, they went out on the budget, and these aliens are like these giant floating, almost octopus things, with, like, lights on their forehead, like, um, communicate through those flashing lights and different, like, pheromones. So that was super cool. Um, but then we had the, like, subplot of, like, Book and them trying to trying to destroy everything. And books accomplished was like, oh, I'm trying to go to a different universe because my friend died or something to like hook a, meet up with my friend from the different universe, which is like not compelling whatsoever. Um, so Star Trek Discovery, I would I would rate the season as like, um, you know, you know, like someone riding a bike, and then like shoving a broom handle through their front spokes, um, like lots of good ideas and then just like poor execution and getting in his own way quite quite frankly um saru was good as usual he uh he got a girlfriend a vulcan girlfriend which was cool um i still don't know actually how burnham burnham is captain like i think the actress is doing really really good um but as as a captain character um like i don't you, you know, like even Discovery last season had Anson Mount playing Captain Pike, which was infinitely better, in my opinion, as a captain character. Um, interestingly enough, the president of the Federation is Park Cardassian. That's never addressed, um, which I thought was cool. They redesigned the Ferengis. Um, they're now really hairy, which was strange. And, and they're only like kind of in background scenes, which was weird. Uh, Tilly became a teacher, which I thought was cool, um, but that also wrote Tilly out of most of the season. Um, if I was to fix Discovery, I would make it more of an ensemble cast because currently, like uh, Burnham is the main character, and everything focuses on her, and she's the only one who can like seem to solve every problem. Problem, um, but it's it's really strange, and that's not what Star Trek is about. Star Trek's about people coming together, working as a team, setting aside their differences to you know make a better world um so if, if you have a character who's uh like the MacGuffin every time um it's very strange i guess i guess like to to describe my thoughts of burnham as the captain in the very first episode they they go down to this planet they're like trying to reconnect with uh planets that left the federation and uh they go down to this planet and these guys are butterfly people like straight out they're they're like dudes with butterfly wings um and they're they're trying to talk to them but they they don't really understand like the that the um the aliens are really like literal because they didn't do their research even though this is a culture that they like have encountered before um and they, they end up having a cat on like uh their cat which the cat character is pretty cool um on their ship and they, they mentioned like oh she's a queen or whatever because they, they always refer to her as a queen and they're like oh you're holding a sentient creature captive on your ship um who is apparently a queen so then they start blasting of course and uh you know they, they end up saving the day but it's like you're a captain literally do your research like this is embarrassing um probably not as much embarrassing to me like complaining for a solid like seven minutes on my podcast about how bad of a captain you are um but again like don't hate the actress like she's doing a really really good job i i think she's doing like she shows a lot of emotion and depth and stuff like that um it's really believable that she's raised on vulcan stuff like that but uh yikes um you know yikes yikes almighty like that that series needs to like maybe get into more sci-fi like it's it's definitely made to be almost like a cw show and like we need as much drama as possible um and i i i see this issue with all streaming shows i think um like book of baba had as well like there's instead of having an a and a b plot or like a plot for the episode they the each like plot carries out the entire season and you might only get like 30 seconds or maybe like three minutes of that plot in every show um but it like it, it me it leaves shows feeling very like disgruntled if that makes sense um so like there, there's a subplot about um stamets and uh two new characters stamets and, and his husband and two new characters like kind of bonding as a family um and stuff like that but that's only really touched on every like you know couple episodes, and they'll have a little like scene that's like kind of cute or whatever. and then you know it comes up later, just randomly. um where I'd much rather have like an one episode of that happening um, as like a B plot or even a C plot. And they're like, okay, that happened. Um, you can really tell any show that does this because they'll have the the previously on at the start of the the show. And it won't be stuff from last episode it'll be stuff from throughout the season and they prime you for the different plots that take on it happen happened in that episode um the different subplots um like i just think it's like when you are making tv like that in my opinion you're making tv where the season is the unit not the episode um so like at that point like we 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 are watching like 12 hour movies like these are written as movies um, meaning they're they're kind of bloated and they're kind of like when they they're broken down to TV, they end up all over the place. if that makes sense. Um, so I, I think like, well, I think streaming is probably the best uh, you know place TV can be at uh, at this time. Um, like I, I think it allows for lots of things, like the leaving of the you know twenty two minute time slot, the uh, you know forty five minute time slot, like you can kind of have play with that um you can have play with you know no commercial breaks or commercial breaks or something like that um where they go you know um these shows are not made for syndication so i i guess like their their goal isn't to make whatever the 100 so episodes so they can be syndicated like the goal is to just tell a story i guess um but i i don't think they're telling stories very well <laughs> and uh Man, we still have one show to talk about. Um, so Star Trek Picard, I'm, the season's not actually done in time of recording, and I'm not caught up on the most recent episode. But, you know, first couple episodes started out really strong. Um, this show is clearly, and so is Discovery, um, but the show is clearly affected by COVID, being that they, they decided to go back in time to uh, 2024 Los Angeles, um, which just happens to look like nowadays Los Angeles. And there's a plot about that and uh, one of Picard's ancestors who's on, like, some space flighty thing. Um, The first couple episodes, again, really, really good. They went... um, Q changes the timeline, so they're in this, like, you know, uh, I guess, like, alternate future, alternate present day, where in which the Federation is just, like, this evil empire and, like, Picard has, like, gold... Um, Goldicott's, like, skull and, like, Sarek's skull just, like, in his study and stuff like that. It's, like, super messed up. Um, then they end up quit- kidnapping a Borg queen and the, the whole gang goes back in time. Um, the whole gang from season one goes back in time doing that same thing they did in Star Trek, um, Undiscovered Country. Or, yeah, I believe that's the episode. The one with the whales. Anyways, and I was kind of hoping they would, like, really pay homage to that movie, which you know the first couple episodes they did and i was like oh sweet they're gonna bring in whales um stuff like that um and and whatever it's gonna be super cheesy uh but then it just became like a mess that makes sense there's like a million things happening like one of the characters which i think is really funny they give him a big pep talk on like things not to do and he's just like doing all of them which is like i think hilarious um you know, two of the characters are, like, going around actually doing what they need to do. And then one character is now, like, the Borg Queen, who's just, like, messing things around. Um, they have one of Soon's ancestors, so uh, it's really nice to see Data while, like, um, essentially all Soon's. Um, Soon, that Dr. Soon is the, the one who created Data um they all look exactly alike and they're all played by the same character or same actor which is really funny so brent's brent spiner is like playing the role as he does whenever there's an ancestor of soon um they they brought in an actress from like last season to play this like you know clone daughter of uh of soon which is like i'd like sure there's a little subplot there but i don't think it's really necessary um q's back um Delance, he's doing absolutely amazing. Um, they recasted Guinan which I thought it was a really good idea. Um, as much as I love Whoopi Goldberg, um, I think the recast made sense because like all the other characters are from the like present time of their timeline and uh Whoopi Goldberg is from 2024 or Guinan is. Um, even though in Star Trek, uh, the next generation, they went back in time to the 1800s and, you know, Whoopi Goldberg was playing Guinan. So it kind of breaks canon. Um, but I would much rather them recast characters and do like the deep face, Luke, deep fake Luke Skywalker thing. Um, I think it adds more, you know, sort of depth. Um, and, and you're able to tell better stories. Like when Luke was on screen in Book of Balboa, was very obvious they were trying to like hide his face you know all the dialogue was happening while he wasn't like you couldn't see his face stuff like that um even just like the body shots you know there's lots of like looking at his back stuff like that um whereas at least like if you recast the actor or the the actress uh recast the character like you're not limited to that um, which i i appreciate you know star trek going for that um otherwise this season we're looking at Picard's mental health and stuff like that um, which is interesting um seeing like Picard's childhood um, is kind of neat but again very similar thing I like seeing Picard be Picard um I, I even like all the other characters more or less but like it's just convoluted like you know last season Dr. Agnes killed uh Bruce Maddox, who they really needed alive this season, she, like, killed the Borg Queen and then just became the Borg Queen, I guess. Like, it's it's just, like, okay, why why are we doing this? Um, a lot of the things, like, it's very type... Like, it's very foreshadowed. It's very obvious this is going to happen. And then they go out and do that. Um, except for, like, the few genuine moments of, like, Patrick Stewart just, like, killing Ezbicard. Um otherwise it's like another show getting in its own way hopefully they save it by the season finale hopefully all they have to do is like bring some whales to the future that's all i want to see them do but uh will we'll see um we'll see what happens or like you know a doctor to like just give someone a free kidney um just like bones, it that was pretty fun gave gave the lady a pill and she's like i have a kidney now um they got the guy from the bus back though if you remember um the one with the whales there's a guy with the uh, on a bus with a boom box like just blaring it and spock gave him a Vulcan nerve pinch and uh seven of nine yells at him same guy like same song i think um seven of nines like can you turn that down and he's like oh yeah sure which i thought was a really funny callback um, they also got another actor who was in Voyager as a um, temporal part of the Starfleet temporal division, um, who, who was essentially a feature cop. And they had a whole arc in Star Trek Voyager about like them saving the timeline, whatever. So they got the same actor back and, and but he's not like a, a feature cop in this one, which I, I was like, OK, if you're getting the same actor back, like I would, you know, like him to sort of play the same character in that. Um, i I mean he's not Jeffrey Combs who plays everyone in Star Trek, but uh maybe maybe they just did that as a red herring to throw off super fans like me. um but as you can tell, I'm kinda kind of ranting about like live TV um but onto onto anime, um, so i I mentioned in my uh best of the best episode like last year um last calendar year that like ranking of the kings is like looking good but i won't say anything till it sticks the landing and it stuck the landing it is um so ranking of kings is about a small little uh little prince who uh cannot speak and he's deaf named bochi and um he ends up becoming friends with this uh Kage from the Shadow Clan, who's like a little shadow who goes on the ground, and uh, they they sort they um are supposed to become king when their dad dies. Uh, the king king boss or boss, I don't know how it's pronounced in English. Um, obviously, it's like a play on King Boss because the guy's the boss. Um, but then the throne gets usurped, and there's a lot going on. Um, this anime, so the art style is more like I would say sleeping beauty like the sort of like classic disney art style um obviously like made in modern day um but like the character boji just has so much heart it, it feels like watching a disney film um, or like a studio ghibli film if that makes sense you know every character you think is a hero could be a villain every villain it could be a hero like you never know what's happening um Alleg- allegiances change And uh, it's it's Bochy's heart that essentially at the end of the day saves the day. Um, Like, the animation, great. The music, great. Um, The opening, great. The closing, great. The characters, I think, are all around great. Um, It's really an anime where, like, everyone gets redeemed. Everyone's sort of happy in the end. Um, But, like, Good Time would recommend. Definitely a... Must watch. Um, I would say I'd put it firmly in my top ten anime of all times. Especially, um, I don't. I don't know if it'll get a second season. If it gets second season, I don't like. I'll have to review that. Um, but like, I think it almost ends at a really good place. Um, that it doesn't need a second season. But we'll we'll see. You know, more of a good thing is always a good thing. I think. Um, and I'd I'd highly recommend you know watching that show. Um, I don't do a lot of romance anime. I guess I'm getting more into it. Uh, but the next one we're gonna talk about is My Dress Up Darling. Um, so this anime is there's a okay there's a trope in anime where like um, the character who's a shy nerdy like anime watcher, so a stand-in for the audience, meets um, you know the most popular girl in school who's very attractive, and for some reason they become friends. Um, and then they eventually become like, you know, romantically involved. And then, uh, he ends up becoming super cool or everyone realizes how cool he is. Um, because he, I don't know, is somehow great, even though most of the time they write the guy's like super bland. Um, uh, but my dress of darling is like the, the trope of that written for like the the guy who actually is just like. An all right dude. Um, so my dress of darling is about uh character oh I um I'll here I'll I'll use their names there. So Gojo is is our main main man and uh he lives with his grandpa, um and his like goal in life is to make Hina dolls, um, which are like Japanese lifelike dolls, um that you paint their faces on, stuff like that. You make like tiny clothes, um you see them a lot in the anime they're actually really nice and uh, he, he's really like not confident in uh like making friends with other people he, he does he sews he's like not up with pop culture um and, and he also likes to keep his hobby a secret so he doesn't really talk to his classmates uh, because as a kid one one person told him that's weird and uh he's he not a social butterfly after that and then um, his romantic partner is, uh, is Marin, um, who's super into cosplay. So how it works is like, she accidentally catches him sewing because his sewing machine breaks. And then uh, he's sewing at the school and she's like, oh, can you sew stuff? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, I super want to do cosplay, which if you don't know, cosplay is uh, dressing up as like characters from anime and manga. Um, and uh, he's like, okay i guess i'll do it um she he like makes makes her outfits and uh the whole rest of the like series is him like designing outfits and uh and like you know making those and him like them hanging out i guess if that makes sense um which which is really cool to see like i started this series thinking gojo was like kind of a loser not gonna lie but he really grew on me because he's actually just like a good dude. Like he, he, uh, he has like personality and stuff. He has like likes, dislikes. Um, he has skills. Um, he, he becomes very much like a real realized character where often in like, uh, you know, romances like this, they, they never are They're, they're really just based on like, um, I gotta be a blank slate. Um, but, uh, but I'm also going to be super popular. But, like, Gojo puts in the work. Like, you, you see the character grow. You see the character learning. And you see the character suffering. Like, he uh, he doesn't make these outfits without losing sleep and uh, and being in bad situations, if that makes sense. Like, uh, or being stressed out and stuff like that. And uh, Marin, um, normally characters in, in these romance, like, the, the men are, like, super in anime video games. Like, Marin is the one who's super in anime video games so gojo is like completely a normal like sort of straight man character while Marin's see a eccentric nerd um so their the relationship works like that and and it grows very naturally i thought and uh you know I, I just thought it was a fun time um all around so happy with that they end up meeting more characters through like cosplay and stuff they end up watching anime stuff stuff like that Um, And then he has this like cute teen romance um, forming, well, throughout throughout cosplay and throughout, you know, um, Gojo like discovering life outside of his room, painting these dolls, Um, and and then becoming a better doll painter because of that, because now he he can paint like sort of real life or he can put real life into his art. So he's um, like, you know, really good at maybe domestic tasks, but really not social. Um, but he's becoming more social through Marin and Marin is, uh, like really not good at maybe domestic tasks. Um, and, and I I wouldn't say she's like learning them if that makes sense. Um, but she's like really able to follow her dreams and, and become more of, I guess, herself, uh, through, through working with Gojo. Um, so I, I thought it was cute. Um, I enjoyed it. Um the animation studio did a really good job, I think. Um like really the last episode I would say was like movie quality animation. Um so I if you're into animes and romance, you know, look no further than my dress up darlings. There's only twelve episodes out right now. Um I think it's a good watch. One of the things I really like that they did with the series is since Marin's like such a weave. Um, they'll often be watching anime, especially to talk about the characters they're constantly playing. And they, they will actually, like, switch up the screen ratio and completely change their art style. So one of the animes she's super into is, like, sort of a 90s Sailor Moon-esque anime. So they they change, like, the aspect ratio to what TV was like in the 90s. And it's all 90s animation. And, you know, it's, it's sort of that like the characters even speak like that um there's a very specific way anime is sort of written is very like over overactive if that makes sense um so i thought that was really cool um the last anime i'm going to talk about is um 86 so 86 is kind of a strange um beast for for me it's a it's a mecha anime um so mecha anime is a genre um think like gundam so you have characters always teenagers for some reason who get in some sort of like metal tank? Sometimes they're uh, like humanoid and they have swords and guns and stuff. In the case of 86, they look like spiders, um, and then they they're soldiers. Um, 86 is, is about uh, so you, the first season um, the characters who are, are called 86 um, they serve this country um, as sort of essentially slaves. Um, and to, to fight these like this country that is basically controlled by robots um ai that is trying to kill them all um at the end of the first season they get sent on a on a suicide mission um but they end up finding another country and the second season is talking about um well is, is about them you know now not being forced to fight they're no longer slaves uh but deciding to because that's really all they know um, And there's a bunch of like sappy romance. Well, not really sappy romance in this um, season, but there's a bunch of like um, the the main character, his like brother's brain was like taken by the enemy. Um, So they use his brain to like, I don't know, do stuff. And another character's like um, old bodyguard's brain was also taken and like, you know, used to do stuff. Um, So there's a lot of like weird things like that. Um, But the series is really, really good at showing just like people hanging out and and the the impacts of war um, and people just like not having a good time with it. And and even the little things like lots of characters die. um, And and you have these soldiers, these characters, these soldiers who've never had like a real life. Um, So I I enjoyed like the rest of the season that aired uh, during this past anime season. I thought it was really good um, for for like a drama, like it's, it's a very convoluted drama, if that makes sense, uh, about teenagers who hop in spider robots to like shoot each other or shoot robots and spider robots, um, you know, welcome to anime, uh, but, but I thought it really stuck the landing, I thought it was interesting enough to hold my view, um, definitely wasn't one I was like, yeah, you know, 86 is out, time to watch it like right away um but i I'd, I'd say it's uh it's a weirdly popular anime um or it's a very popular anime in the community and if you're into dramas um and you want to watch an anime that is a drama um you know give it a watch and and i will say about my dress of darling NED6 is that uh i i have a rule when it comes to anime is that i'll always watch a show that like i don't think i'll like but I'm kind of interested in, a season. Um, I call it my my taste, taste maker, uh, taste maker show, or my like, taste breaker show. Um, and both of these fall under that category, like normally I don't watch animes that are like mecha, uh, or drama, or uh, you know, mecha drama hybrids. Um, so I was like, oh well, 86 is getting a lot of hype, I guess I'll watch it. Um, and then My Dress Up Darling. Uh Reed seemed really into it, so I was like, you know, I'll watch it. And I've I've started to get more into the romance, uh, slice of life anime genre. So and and it was, you know, about cosplay. So I was like, whatever, I'll watch it. And then it was one of my favorites of the season, I would say. Um there's, there's a reason I'm not talking about the big big shonen fighty fighty anime. I don't even think we had one last season actually that I watched. Um so yeah. On to uh, the final little category of my TV, anime, YouTube rant. Oh my gosh, this is going to be a long episode. Is uh, is YouTube. Um, Curtis Connor is a YouTube channel I've really got into. Curtis is a comedian. I think he got his start on Vine. And uh, he's about my age. You know, has a very similar life story, middle class in Canada. And just makes jokes that hit me perfectly every time um lots of his content is just him watching tiktoks and making fun of them or him watching movies and making fun of them stuff like that or him watching like tv shows making fun of them um but the editing is like very very quick for uh like there's the the joke for for minutes is very high or the and uh lots of his jokes are just like dumb if that makes sense like the same type of jokes i would make that, like, you don't laugh at, but, like, I'm laughing to myself. Like, that's the type of humor. Um, so I would recommend that. And then CoffeeZilla, um, he's a YouTuber, and he was also on the Jordan Harbinger Show, actually, and he, his channel is all about, like, sort of taking down scams or, like, doing sort of investigative journaling. And uh, he has a really good episode about um, this cryptocurrency scam um, is a crypto that was like always meant to sort of be a scam, and then he actually interviews like one of the people who were uh, were working for the cryptocurrency and stuff like that. Um, so it's really interesting. Um, would would recommend both of those, but uh, I won't spend too much time talking about those because we need to move on to our final section, which is podcasts. All right, rounding this podcast off. Um, well, we'll speed round this uh, onto the podcast. So I really, actually, only listen to two like podcast series right now. Um, I try try to like throw a couple more in every once in a while, but uh, my my the amount of content, like good content, uh, these two shows have been producing is just like enough for me. If that makes sense. Um, so, the first show I'm going to shout out is the Jordan Harbinger Show. It's weird to say shout out because they're bigger than me. Um, Jordan Harbinger Show. And, like, his coverage of the Ukraine crisis has been really, really wild. Um, so, he has currently, like, three three episodes out that are really about Ukraine. Um, and the first one is, uh, like, there's a guy named Yuri and he's a former war reporter. Um, he's Ukrainian, and uh, he became a soldier. He's like, no, I'm jo- I'm joining up. So they sort of talk about like, what's life like for him um, now, now as a soldier, and and not like a trained army soldier, right? He's he's part of the like people who just signed up the territorial defense forces. Um, so really interesting there, just the life of a sort of everyday. I guess Ukrainian man who's, who's joined joined up to fight, um, and like is a really good interview. Um, it happened kind of near the the start of the conflict. I don't know if um, the guy saw any combat. Um, I I don't know. He doesn't he doesn't mention it, um, but very very likely he has by now. You know, um, or at least he, he's seen he's seen a lot of things. Um, there's an episode by an uh, interview with Peter Zainan. Um So this guy's a writer and a history buff who very much studies Russia. And he he sort of gives a reason um, for why Russia's probably going to war right now and what Russia's end goals might be um, based on Russian history and what he, he thinks is happening as well. Well, as he thinks like what's gonna be the end of this, like what's gonna be the fallout with the current regime in Russia um how China is is with Russia, like how things are going there. So I thought it was a really interesting conversation um about that. Um, the guy like he talks like a know-it-all um if that makes sense. but uh, like it, I, I found it really interesting. I was I was quite uh, quite engaged with that episode. And then the most recent episode um, about the Ukraine crisis is um, an interview with Chris miller and brandon wheeler um so one of them i forget which one was he is the ex-us defense secretary um or secretary of defense and these guys were literally fresh out of the uk or not fresh out of ukraine sorry they like got in in um, the poland from ukraine like a couple hours before they hop on the call and and while they were in ukraine they were meeting with Zelensky and uh other Um, other other leaders like they basically were talking with the guys who were running the show in ukraine and then like bailed or like left um drove back into poland and then like recorded this so really really cool episode really interesting it's really like um you you know you get to learn like what ukraine wants and and these both these guys um are experienced in sort of military action if that makes sense um and they, they sort of say, like, what the Ukrainian people want. And uh, they you really get, like, the Ukrainian spirit through it. Um, so all three really good episodes um, would would highly recommend, you know, listening to. Um, on to the Rich Roll Show, um, the Rich Roll, Rich Roll Podcast. Um, so if you don't know, Rich Roll is... Um, very popular vegan um he used to be an endurance athlete he's retired now he still does some like endurance stuff um i talked about his book finding change previously on the podcast and, and his name's come up quite often on the podcast because uh you know vegan into endurance sports um i i very very much uh enjoy him um so i just three episodes i'll shout out um so he had the Iron Cowboy. Um, so the Iron Cowboy, if you do not know, he uh, he last year he did the Conquer 101 Challenge, which is uh, for 101 days he woke up and he did a full Ironman, um, which was insane, and uh, he set the sort of the, well he he doubled the world record which he previously held, um, and it's just a conversation with uh, James and his wife Sonny about like how things went. Um, and this happened a couple months after, um, like, the, the Conquer 101 ended. So, like, I, I was, I listened to some podcasts that were, like, sort of right after it. And James is, like, still taking everything in. Um, it, but this time, like, and especially because he's with uh, his wife, Sunny, like, it's, it's a really good conversation. They talk about, like, what their family had to sacrifice, what was going on, like, the mental state, how uh, not only did James have to, like, go out there and do the work, but, like, Sonny had to manage him and uh, yeah. stuff like that. And then they talked about some of the joy that came out of the, the like, Conquer 101. Uh, so many people, like, doing their first marathon, you know, the cycling community uh, coming out to really support them and stuff like that. And, and Rich uh, went on a couple days. Um, he, he didn't do any full Ironmans. But he, he went out a couple of days um, with, like, James and, and was really, like, there on the ground for the, the end a little bit of it. Um, so it's a really cool conversation like that. Um, and, and so would, would highly recommend if you want to, uh, if you want to, like, learn the psyche of a madman, <laughs> um, good conversation. And the, the psyche of someone who would marry and live with a madman, uh, really good conversation there. Um, next is, uh, is Harvey Lewis. So Harvey Lewis is a vegan ultra endurance, um, runner. Um, he was also a high school social studies teacher. Um, so this guy manages to like be a world-class ultra endurance runner and, and there's not many world-class ultra endurance runners. I'll I'll tell you that. Um, so like most of them, I want to say have day jobs, um, because like there's, there's just not sponsorship in it in it, um, there's not like prize money in it. Uh, but yeah, so his day job is being a social studies teacher. Um, so you know, being a, a uh, vegan endurance athlete who's also a teacher. Wonder why I like this episode. Um, some of Harvey Lewis's wins that were insane. Um, he won the most recent Badwater, um, sorry, Bigs Backyard um, Ultra Endurance Race which is is a race every hour you run something like 4.1 whatever miles um and and you keep doing that until you until there's only one person left it went on for like three days um harvey set uh the the record essentially um beating Courtney Dewalters' last last record um and the the person like in in that race you don't get second you get it did not finish like there's only one winner there's only one person who finishes the race and that's a the the person who literally runs the furthest um like you you got to go out there until the other person can't um and and it's insane and just for more context on that race like the most most runners run it in like the the lap in like 45 minutes ish and then you have sort of 15 minutes to like use the bathroom sleep because this goes on 24 hours straight eat um, stuff like that and then you you gotta queue up or, or like get to the start line or you're disqualified so it's absolutely insane and the fact it went on for like three days absolutely mental um harvey lewis also has quite a few bad water wins um bad is a ultra endurance race in the desert um of the united states um southern states there where you start in the lowest point of the continental U.S. and you run to the highest point. Um, so he has a lot of wins there. Um, during the official Badwater race, they they stopped before the summit because um, it's considered too dangerous. But uh, Harvey Harvey Lewis went out and uh, there's, there was a time from when they used to take it all the way up there and he set a new FTK or fastest known time for that, that run as well. Um, and he, he sort of just talks about like you know, running and, and how it's important for him to be a teacher, um, and, and how being a teacher like helps his running and stuff like that. So I thought it was really cool. Um, of course, you know, I I find uh like part of the reason I, I run and train so much is because like I need to show up for the kids. Um and I show the kids what showing up for yourself means like and, and I got a lot of get a lot of inspiration from my job. Like those those kids work really hard, like I need to work hard. Um, it is nice hearing Harvey like talk about that, if that makes sense. Um, the last episode I'll I'll shout out is uh, Jody Sano. So Jody Sano, um, he has multiple episodes in the Ritual Podcast. All I would recommend listening to. He is the creator of um, Spartan Races, which you may have heard of, which are like five, ten ks. But instead of just running, you're doing a, like their obstacle courses as well. Um, that are basically like Navy SEALs training stuff. And they're they're absolutely insane. He also has another race um called the Death Race, where you rarely run, it's just like a bunch of really, really hard stuff he makes you do, and you keep going till there's like one person left. Um, but this guy, he literally has no chill. Like, no chill. He he just goes out and he he grinds, like he works hard, he doesn't work, he embraces pain. Um, he makes his kids embrace pain anyone in his life embraces pain um he has a farm and like you can just email him and be like you know i want to like lose weight can i come live at your farm he'll be like yeah of course and he he will make you lose weight um, he he will like train you um and all you have to do is like survive basically and and he'll get you through it uh but a lot of people don't take him up on his offer Um, But I I, like highly recommend listening to any of his episodes. His most recent one, he's talking about like how, um, because like he, um, Spartan Spartan Race, uh, the company, their only competition was really Tough Mudder, which ran a similar event. Um, Just before COVID, they bought Tough Mudder. And then like COVID happened and they had to cancel all their races around the world. um, And like the brands were kind of on like life support. They didn't know if they were going to be able to go or anything was going to happen. Um, And then just like surviving the pandemic as a business, you know, him sort of like realizing he can't travel anymore and he has to like spend time with his family and just like him trying to live like a suburban dad's life while he lives on a farm, but live a life with his like kids and family that's like somewhat normal while he himself is like actually like no chill um was was really interesting and like him talking about like you know some his, some of his uh like training kids because like his family friends or whatever um or just like parents want him to like you know oh you know you can take care of your kids you can have some camps and then then the kids like getting access to their cell phones and being like please save us this guy's a madman um stuff stuff like that uh really fun lesson like would highly recommend, um, but uh, that's that's where I'm gonna like, uh, call call the episode of this podcast for for today. Um, I'll put some relevant links uh, specifically to these podcast episodes in the description. Um, of course, you know if you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything you've listened to on the Earth to Corey podcast, please get in touch. Um, Otherwise, don't do anything I wouldn't do or haven't done. I want to see you all here next month.